Yo, we got this special offer today on the Humane Roundup. It's from this company called Gallant. Check them out, www.gallant.com, G-A-L-L-A-N-T. This is an animal health biotech company on a mission to help pets live healthier and happier lives. Using their patented technology, they can isolate and store your pet's stem cells for future treatments. Stem cells they harvest usually just get thrown away after a spay or neuter. So they keep them and then they, they use them later on if needed. Traditional medicine just manages the symptoms of disease. Well, stem cell therapies have been shown to address the root cause of age-related illnesses. Huh, I didn't know that, that's really cool. Stem cells have been evaluated in hundreds of studies and have been shown to improve the quality of life for pets with everything from allergic skin conditions to orthopedic injuries and more. Protect the ones you love with banking plans starting as low as $45 a month. Visit www.gallant.com. Again, www.gallant.com to take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You can save $100 off the initial payment by using coupon code HUMANE. Welcome to the Humane Roundup Podcast where we share all the exciting stories about animal cruelty investigations, dangerous animals, and amazing rescues. Find out what goes on inside of animal shelters and all the current trends in the animal welfare industry. Now, here is your host, Daniel Edinger. And his co-host, Ashley Bishop. Welcome to episode 78 I'm so frustrated right now. I want to throw the computer off of my desk. <laughs> That's I mean, how I feel. Te- technology sucks. <laughs> I mean, so we had a, we had a guest lined up today, and it uh, it just didn't work out. And so we will try to get that guest back on at some point. Uh, we use a recording app called Discord, and Discord was disconnected. I don't know. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Anyway, whatever. Well, we'll still have a great show for you. This is episode 77. No. You said 78. Make up your mind. 78. I'm <laughs> <laughs> feeling sassy, so just be forewarned. <laughs> Let's do it. So 78 episodes here on the Humane Roundup. Please check out our website, humaneroundup.com. Instagram and Facebook, the Humane Roundup. Don't forget to check out Bishop there as H O Bishop. And then uh, I'm also on those socials as Animal Protection Officer Daniel. If you missed our last episode or the episodes before, go ahead and check those out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We have a great list of 77 prior shows. And <laughs> since <laughs> this is 78, my. Uh, you know, that forensic uh, interview one that we did with the ASPCA a few episodes back, if you missed that one, go back and check it out. Uh, you don't want to miss what they have going on there. Very much worthwhile. Very much. I'm still, man, I'm still chomping at the bit to get a case over to them. So hopefully soon. Is how it because you, you have a case or? Do you know how many, like, I, and not to like, I've, it's just been unreal. And I've been talking to a lot of people about this. It feels like. Now that we're kind of getting to the other side of, you know, this pandemic, it just feels like it's gotten busier and busier since oh, then. Like, yeah. See, for me, it's always springtime, summertime. That's always my busy time. So this is just normal. Winter, I'm very slow. 
So. Yeah, and we historically we've been slow in the winter, but the past few years, and I don't know if it's because we've just grown so much as a city, you know, this city in Denver, like it's, or excuse me, as I think maybe it was Hildy Oach, if you're ever listening, man, just let me know who said this. It was the state of Denver. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's grown so much over the past few years. And, you know, I came here in 2004 or five and it was, you know, it was a, it's still considered like a bigger city, but I think it's almost doubled in size in 15 years. So Ugh. is that 17 years? I don't know how to do math. <laughs> Never play Dungeons and Dragons. You'd always be trying to cheat. I don't, I don't cheat. You know, I want to say you sound great this week. You're our producer, executive producer. Well, our, wait, no, no, no. That's Hildy. Our editor, <laughs> Tim, our editor, Tim doesn't have to really, um, do much to fix your voice because last week it was like our bishop it was yeah, really interesting it's great what uh a new router can do <laughs> so yeah yeah so what really on tap you know we we kind of we didn't want to not do a show like i said our guest had uh, we and our guests had some technical difficulties and that stuff happens. And so we're just going to push through it. We had a topic to talk about anyway, uh, which is fun to do. Uh, and so we'll kind of jump into that here this morning or whenever you are listening to it. We talked about it last year. Uh, the Animal Legal Defense Fund puts out yearly rankings of kind of where your state ranks as far as their uh, animal cruelty laws, or they say the animal protection laws. And so we'll look into that a little bit today and see where everybody ranks. And then let's just have a discussion on maybe certain things to do to like, well, why is Maine number one, right? And why is New Mexico number 50, right? And that could be one thing of, of like New Mexico still allowing for bestiality in their state. And that Which might not crazy. be the best, best way to say it. Not that they're like promoting billboards of like, go have sex with your dog. Uh, but they do not have laws to protect those animals from bestiality. And uh, as, as you said, it's 100% crazy. Yeah. I, the fact that we're in a day and age now where that isn't a law everywhere, um, there's obviously um, a lot of changes that need to be made. Um, I mean, but stereotypically, if you look at the bottom tier, I mean, some of those areas are exactly where you would expect them to be based on stereotypes, I guess. I mean, when you're looking at, you know, Georgia and Kentucky and Alabama and Mississippi, right? Mm -hmm. Like, no, no offense to those people, but you guys have, you working in this profession down there definitely have got your work cut out for you. And if you want to check out this report and or ranking yourself, uh, it's really easy to do if you just go to ALDF.org, but we'll cover as much as we can. They have a cool printout as well that talks about the, it breaks down the rankings if you just want to have it for, you know, your own knowledge or whatever, you know, it's a, it's a great, it's a great tool on how they do that. And, and then they go into why certain states rank higher than others so uh, there were two other states recently that uh, did not have laws against bestiality and one was uh, hawaii 
and the other was uh, Wyoming. And those both have Senate bill. I think they're Senate bills. I could be misspeaking there, but they're both moving forward uh, with getting that uh, getting that rectified there. So awesome. Yeah. I, I that's one that just baffles me that it's not just a federal law. But I yeah. mean, I, we're getting there, I guess, as a country, as far as, you know, what we need to be doing with regards to animals. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to take all of us coming together and voicing our opinions on it and taking it to legislation to try to get anything changed. So. And that's the thing, you know, as you. A lot of this is like legislative work and so like if you have somebody like in colorado actually we just found out there's a group called the colorado animal protectors and uh, what they're That's, doing right. say again. <laughs> are they working for you or against you though they're actually working for us and they're okay. a group they're, they're a great group actually and they've done some things um where they've been really active in um in bills right so if if there are legislation uh coming about they they may uh, oppose it they may be for it uh, they may also bring their own legislation and so they've kind of spun off and done a, a new group called the colorado animal protectors and what they're what they just recently did is they upped a reward on a um, crime stoppers that we did for a case so, you know, Crime Stoppers will will uh, commit a certain amount to that, you know, yep. to that specific incident. Maybe it's a thousand or two thousand. Well, this this nonprofit uh, will come in and also add to that to make it a larger reward. And so they're, they're doing a lot of different things. But getting with them on legislation, too, you know, I had this idea recently where, you know, in Colorado, per the per post. So if you're a post certified peace officer, uh, in 2013, there was a, well, the incident happened in 2012, I believe where a dog was shot. Uh, the dog wasn't posing an active threat or anything like that, uh, but it was just mishandled. It was mishandled by a police police department in Colorado. And they, um, they ended up shooting the dog after they tased it while it was on a catch pole. It was just a bad look, right? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> And from that, is that the one with the video that has made its way around? No, that's an old one, isn't it? Well, it's a pretty, I mean, it's from 2012. There's a few different ones like that. There's one in um, LaGrange, Missouri, uh, Missouri, where where two police officers are out with a dog and shoot it while it's on a catch pole, again, posing no threat. Well, this one is, it happens like in a garage. And, you know, it's a pretty graphic video. If anyone wants to see that, the videos. Uh, shoot us shoot me a message or whatever i'd be happy to send it to you there's uh, it's just AC not not fun watching there was an aco there too wasn't there uh she was kind of an aco like she had split duties okay if that yeah if that makes I, any I sense i saw that one in training yeah um, it's actually on uh they use it on the naca training for oh the interesting NACA, naca 2 course Interesting. Well, or Nacho too. Sorry. Yeah. So no, it, whatever. Nacho, Naka. I think it's not Nacho anymore, but uh, maybe it is. I don't. People uh, know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the video, obviously, like it's very graphic, and uh, 
they just they basically uh, end up executing this dog at that time and the state the legislators they created a task force uh, that was comprised of uh, you know our profession veterinarians behaviorists um, other folks as well and the state required it and it got passed that police officers have to take uh, this training to basically understand and read dog behavior and body language so they don't shoot them and use other tools if in a situation where they feel it's necessary to act and it's just you know this is a delicate subject and so it's hard to, to speak about it and not sound insensitive and so i'm going to do my best to, to kind of walk through this cautiously because i don't want to say anything incorrectly but like we've our profession has somewhat always been a precursor or a um, a change right like influencer of change is probably the best way to say it and like you see it now where these actions of like police officers you know act in a certain way and not all of them clearly clearly not all of them whatsoever but think about it like we've had a law in Colorado or a requirement, I should say, post cert for post certification that you have to take three hours of like how not to shoot a dog. <laughs> right. Yeah. And here we are in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> 11. Please do Whatever. not. Do this. I don't want to go through 2020 again. <laughs> um, 2021, where, you know, just this whole movement of like defund the police, reallocate this, do this. And I just think that like, you know, it's just an interesting timeline to see like where our conscious is like people are, are now like becoming more aware of we can have an impact on police work in a way that like still will produce a positive outcome like no one wants to I, i'm sure no police officer wants to shoot a dog right like yeah. and so uh, you know how that correlates in today's world again i know it's a delicate subject and i don't want to like go down that rabbit hole in this episode that's not the point of it but it's just interesting how our profession can kind of you know start a trend and um, and my point to kind of bringing this whole thing up was uh, talking to these legislators in colorado uh, i'd love to see a bill here i actually brought it up to one of them recently uh, to see if they could assist in this is so we have a requirement to like understand and identify body language and behavior of a dog and how not to shoot it, et cetera. But we don't have any requirements on mandatory reporting for suspected animal abuse by law enforcement, especially if there's a link component. And I think that would be a great training for our law enforcement officers. Yeah, definitely. You know, we're, I'm lucky enough at my department now, you know, it's one department versus the entire state, obviously. Um, but our department has a domestic violence. Um, I don't know if she's a, not a coordinator. I mean, you're not going to coordinate domestic violence, right? Um, but she takes all the DV cases after they come in and the officers have done their reports. Um, and I lucked out. She's a huge animal lover. So I was able to, you know, I get the email from Phil every month and I pass it on to her to let her know the, you know, what's in the legislation to get changed and, and whatever. And she's definitely making changes in how they handle um, 
their domestic violence cases. She called me in on one where we were able to charge out a felony for um, the guy having, prior to stabbing his uh, husband, having kicked the dog so bad that the dog was injured. Hmm. So, um, you know, at least our department's working on that. But yeah, we don't have anything in state law yet saying that so that's actually awesome but you know what you in colorado you have some other things that i definitely wish we had like mandatory mental health evaluation or treatment for convicted offenders like that's huge how many people do we deal with that their mental health is not good (laughs) well and that's so that's like the shift right that's the the pendulum swing in my opinion is and we kind of talked about it last week on our episode with Todd Stosi so if you missed episode 77 please check that out but when you when you talk about it it's like we don't always have to operate from a place of like punitive measures like we can come in with an aspect like we do recommendations for all our city tickets so if i have a case on a city ticket which is different than a it's very similar to a misdemeanor and so you know it it's like if I want to do a misdemeanor versus a city ticket, what's the benefit? And the only difference is a longer ban on animal ownership and a state ticket will, you know, those, those, if you're on probation, that'll follow you throughout the state versus if it's just a city ticket, that's pretty much just within the city itself. Uh, well, and so that's, yeah. And any fines associated with that is going to go to your state, not your city, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's definitely something I'm sure your higher ups are not pleased with. <laughs> well, and and so just I don't know, kind of thinking on that. Um with with state requirements, there's like a, a mental health evaluation to be done on all misdemeanor or felony animal cruelty cases. It's 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 written into the statute. Uh and then it can be even furthered by you know, by probation and things like that, where mental health treatment may be required. And the other thing too, is like, when we look at penalties, like, sure, there are, there are crimes a hundred percent that should be, um, you know, jail time, like a person mm-hmm. commits a violent crime against an animal, etc. I got by no means am I sitting here saying <clears throat> that we shouldn't talk about jail time. Um, but like, is there treatment? Is this person undergoing mental health treatment? Is this person undergoing substance abuse treatment as well? in there. And so as we, you know, as we kind of move forward through this profession and, and just continuing to to build on what we are and, and how to do it, you know, I'm proud of ALDF for taking the time. And it's probably a big study for them. And I'm looking at this printout that they have. It's a 18 page uh, printout that um, I did find one error on it. They... <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair, it's 18 pages long. Come on but, now. Well, so New Mexico is supposed to be number 50, but they accidentally forgot to fix their template. And so they have it as number 48. Oh. They have 48 on there twice. It's fine. It's fine. Whatever. I'm, I'm just, you know, kind of uh, OCD when it comes to stats and stuff like that. So <laughs> it kind of threw me off because I was like looking because I want to talk about the best state and then compare it to the worst state. So, sure. Uh, but it's great of them to like sit down and go through all this data and, you know, look at the laws, look at the penalties, look at, you know, what they can improve on. You know, I, I I don't know, like 
you know, it's the United States of America. We're not going to have the same laws across the board, but it would be nice to have some, you know, similar language. Uh, like a, a neighboring city of ours has language about selling puppies in their in their ordinance, right? In their city ordinance. That's not something we have at this time. And it's, so it's like maybe that's something that, you know, we can look at what they're doing and then add it to our list of uh, ordinances. Because I think, you know, prohibiting the sale of like puppies in an open space or on the side of the road is a great law to have because you yeah. can't verify, you know, if the animal has proper vaccinations, is it old enough? There's just no regulations to it. There's like a I'm post up here, put a sign up, and try to get rid of these puppies. I guess we don't have people trying to do that. They're just doing it on Facebook and Craigslist, but our law, we have a state law that says they have to be at least seven weeks old, which is, I'm, I'm not quite sure how they got seven weeks. And that needs to get changed, I think. But yeah. So what? <clears throat> let's jump into this uh, PDF. Do you have yours open? I don't have the PDF open, but I have each. I have the full list open. All right. If you scroll down, you could open the PDF, and okay. we can look through it. So what I'm going to do is talk about Maine first, because you know we like to keep it humane, <laughs> Maine on the Humane Roundup podcast. And then coming up down a few months, we're actually going to have a. Uh, someone from Maine join us. So uh, Liam Hughes uh, up in Maine will, uh, he's, he's scheduled. So hopefully we can get discord working better and <laughs> get something. guests back on the show. Yeah, shit happens. So whatever. So they break it down. Um, they basically take the top five and talk about like their existing strengths and then maybe their uh, areas of improvement. And Colorado is number four. I kind of want to talk about Colorado, but it's not all about me. So we're going to talk about Maine. <laughs> And then we're going to go to number 48, which is number 50, which is New Mexico, <laughs> uh, at the end of this. And then, Bishop, I'd like for you to talk about that. So as we as we look into it, and if you again, if you want to check this out and break it down more on your own, it's really great material, ALDF.org. You can find it on their main page right now. So it's right there. So they, they talk about Maine's existing strengths, and they have a courtroom animal advocate program and i was looking into that and it's basically someone coming in that's not affiliated with anything it can be a law student it could be a you know a, a separate attorney and just they take a different approach to it where uh, it may not be the prosecutor or the defense at this point and so they're almost an expert witness uh, in that aspect they do have felony penalties for cruelty neglect biting and abandonment uh, some states may not have that yeah, they have. Um, uh, and, didn't we determine fighting was federal? You know, no. So federal, that's the the whole PACT Act. Is such, maybe we should do an episode on that. That's a very confusing topic. You know, it's really disseminating the videos through uh, No, but I think internet. previous to that, there was a federal for fighting. It depends. Again, it depends. Is Are the animals crossing state lines? Um, you know, and those type of things there, there can be, uh, but not necessarily always animal fighting will be a, a federal offense. Okay. So then they have an, an inclusive definition of animal, which uh, some states do not have. And this is just some of the topics that they do well. Again, the existing strengths, uh, increased penalties for uh, repeat animal abusers. Uh, thorough definitions and standards of basic care. I like that standards of basic care, what that looks like. And maybe we can break those down on a, a separate episode as well. Cause you know, people are probably like, well, what does that look like? And, you know, I really am 
trying to push for having like a standard conditions, um, like sanitary living conditions for an animal, you know, cause we see a lot of animals in situations with, which is unsanitary. And then you have to kind of like mold that and how it fits into your city or state's statute. Right. Because it might not, you know, have sanitary living conditions, but then you can say, well, this animal is treated inhumanely because, you know, it's in a situation where it may have, um, you know, so contact. Yeah. To counter that, though, I, I'm going to be very excited to have this person from Maine on because sometimes if you have things too well-defined, it's it makes it unusable as well. Like, I hate how vague some of my, or like, mistreatment of animals, it it is illegal to treat an animal in a cruel manner, period. That is the entire statute. They don't even define cruel. Um so it's hard if they're too vague but if they're also too well defined it can be hard to use them too yeah 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 because then you don't have that that gray area where you can kind of articulate yep. why it meets that standard i hear that I so i'd be interested to see exactly what theirs says and if it leaves any gray area well, we can ask when, when we have liam on let's pull this back yeah. up and, and talk to him about it so the list goes on. I don't want to bore people with me reading through the list, but uh, those are just some of the things that come up there. They do have one thing that I saw is like mental health counseling and or anger management that I talked about before, pre-sentencing mental health evaluations, which is important. And so check it out. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I think the the models are out there for people. And so the next step is getting their elected officials to be aware of why it's important, you know, why do we have stronger animal cruelty laws or animal fighting laws in our states, you know, because it also is a precursor to other crimes. And so trying to really sell that to them and getting, you know, the work of your, you know, other organizations that do these legislative acts uh, is really important too. And so just kind of expanding, expanding the role, you know, of the, of our profession, it doesn't have to just be out in the field. Like we can think a little differently and try to get in contact with some of these people and push for improvements in our states. Well, and I know too, at least here in Wisconsin, um, and I know that it's maybe not the most favored uh, organization, but um, HSUS does a lot of uh, legislation work. So if you've got something in your state that really needs to be changed, I believe every state has some representative of HSUS. So if you can't do it yourself, whether it be because your supervisor won't let you or um, you don't even know where to begin or how to do it, you know, you can always reach out to an organization like HSUS um, and also the Animal Legal Defense Fund and see about getting some of these changes made. Yeah, that's great. Great perspective on that because they are here to help. So do you want to jump into number 5048? <laughs> number 5048? <laughs> if you download it, if anyone <laughs> yep. downloads the PDF, they'll know what I'm talking about. Um, so interestingly enough that they're the definition of animal excludes reptiles and uncaptured an wild animals. And this is for New Mexico, just for yes. In case our Sorry, are, yeah, you're good. <laughs> um, which I mean, even I, I guess that would be similar to Wisconsin here, but 
the uncaptured wild animals falls under our DNR, which is a completely separate. I don't handle that. Do you, I don't remember. Do you do much with animal wild animals? So we do a lot with urban wildlife. Um, if they're sick or injured, obviously if there's an animal that has, uh, a, you know, a potential disease, like we don't want that animal just kind of walking around, right. spreading it everywhere. So we'll, we'll get involved there. Uh, but if it's like a, Canadian goose with a broken wing and get around like nah do your thing little guy right well and I mean to some degree it circled life right I mean yes like wild animals are wild animals and that bird is potentially going to feed some other carrion that you know is scavenging so yeah we have a episode coming up it's gonna be a few months since we're booked pretty far but uh, we do have an episode coming up with a wild bird rehab and so we'll talk to them, kind of circle of life and what birds they take, what birds they don't take, and, and kind of get that aspect or, you know, get them to to kind of give their influence on how they handle those situations. Okay, awesome. Well, the other two here that really kind of get me because our profession is not, we, we should not ever be single-minded in only dealing with animals. If I go into a house that has children, I'm also, you know, going, okay, is this safe for the kids? Do I need to get somebody else involved? And in New Mexico, social services um, and veterinarians are not required to report suspected animal abuse um, or cruelty. And that is just baffling to me. Like we need to be working together. This is not just, you know, your you do your thing and I'll do my thing. Sometimes yeah, that nobody else gets into. We have that here in Colorado. I will tell you, as of late, I have to cite the state statute quite often when I'm calling these clinics. And with all due respect to the people working the front desk, you know, they're they're limited in their scope, and so they may just think that there are like HIPAA laws on animals. <laughs> It gets me when I get told that. And so I kind of like, and what, like, I don't mind, like, if I'm talking to somebody and they're like, hey, you know, I have to check with a supervisor. I'm just, you know, I'm just not sure. But the people that have the attitude, like, I'm Mm -hmm. not giving you out anything. I'm like, oh, don't, like, please don't go there. Like, let me me cite the state, state statute. I'll email it to you. Like, you are required when we're investigating a crime for neglect or cruelty to send me that information. So, like, just don't make, why are you making it difficult? Is that for your, like, own personal yeah, like, control or, like, I? it's just, it's such a weird thing. And, like, I never, like, I'm not that guy. I don't call up, like, I need records. It's like, hey, I'm Daniel. How you doing? I'm investigating a case for cruelty. Like, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, we need the owner's permission. I'm like, technically, you don't. <laughs> Legally, you don't. Yeah, you really Which- don't. Actually, interestingly enough, um, when we had Dr. Carlo Riolo on a couple weeks ago, um, which I thought was a really good episode as well, um, you had asked about veterinarians reporting. And in the state of Wisconsin, they are, that's actually one of the good things on our ranking is that it is required for veterinarians to report it. I never questioned it because they just do report it to me. but. that's definite. It is one of the laws for us as well. But yeah, it's a great, it's a great law. And I wish more veterinarians would do that, you know, and it's interesting. So 
there's so much like there's literally so much we can talk about and you know you and i we had it for our listeners just to know like we had a show planned today again due to technical difficulties uh, we were unable to fulfill that that show that we had planned so we i want to thank you ashley for doing a great job as we went through this you know we were going to talk about this kind of in a shorter scope and so to to really bring it to you on a larger scale uh we just uh, i just want to thank you for for doing that but like one of the things that I just I want to see a bigger movement for is why did dog bites happen and and I'm not saying this is everything and again like this is just my perspective based on experience you know why is a dog biting like what is behind that bite and so there's such a focus my point to this is there's such a focus on the link of domestic violence and animal cruelty mm-hmm. what about the link of domestic violence and aggressive animals right so oh the dogs if a dog's in a home, right, and it's acting, excuse me, it's it's being subject to certain aggressive tendencies and behaviors and maybe being treated a certain way, is said dog more likely to have a lower bite inhibition? Is that the right way to say it? Or higher yep. bite? Yep. Yeah. Lower. Lower bite inhibition because it is, uh, you know, it like its threshold for pain is different. It's being hit. It's seeing, it's seeing people being hit. It's just, it's in that environment. I don't know. I'm putting it out there. I I can, I've got cases like I I have one. Um, Typically as far as our dangerous animal goes, I don't, if it's an animal that bites a person within the same household, like if that's on you, you want to keep the dog in your house, as long as it's not going after the public, I'm not going to get involved with it too much. Um, unless it is an extreme bite, but I had one dog that it bit five different times within the household. Come to find out in a different jurisdiction, it had bit another two or three times. So I finally declared the dog dangerous and I had to have five officers with me to seize this dog. And, you know, the owner's just screaming at us. The kids are screaming at us. And there was every time the bite happened, it happened when officers got called for a domestic violence situation within the home and they're all screaming and the dog comes out and it's a big old cane corso. So, you know, we're not talking a, a small dog. We're talking a dog that could do a lot of damage. And he just comes out and he's vicious as all get out get him in my truck, get him to the shelter, immediately different dog once I got him away from that situation. And so I I absolutely think that domestic violence plays a huge part. And that's just one of many cases that I can think of that, you know, there was arguing in the house, there was actual violence within the house, whether directed at the animal or not, that I have had bite cases for. Well, and that, I think that leads us to a further and longer discussion where, in all fairness, like, the the movement currently is cruelty and neglect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, and that's like a nationwide movement is, you know, animal abuse, animal abuse, which, trust me, like, some of my favorite cases to investigate are animal abuse cases. And not not like Todd Stosey was last week where he was like, I hate doing bite cases. I don't know if he used the word hate, but that's like not his favorite cases to do. Um, uh-huh. You know, I had to do one yesterday uh, on a, it wasn't serious, but a dog on dog attack. Like that's just part of the job. And sure. It may not be the most fun. Uh, 
I don't know. I mean, people have their preferences. But my point of that is like they need they still need to be done. They're still part of our job. And so how do we like why is there this focus on cruelty and or neglect and how animals are being treated? But the the concept or the the push towards like why are bites happening? How do we fix the problem? You know, how do we educate people to to maintain safety around animals? Like there it's a big thing. It's not just a one answer thing. But my point to that is if we're so focused on what's going on in the home with animal cruelty and neglect and having requirements for mental health treatment and evaluations and anger management, et cetera, why is that not happening with bite cases? Is it because of the stigma of because no matter what happens, that said animal that caused you know serious bodily injury is going to be euthanized? Like there are some cruelty cases that end up in euthanasia because the animal is so, you know, far. Um, far gone and and i just think that like we also need to focus our energy towards that as well and figure that out so if we're you know focusing our energy to stop animal cruelty that same energy should be applied to stopping bites i just i think with that there i i don't think you're wrong but there's only so much energy that we can focus and if you start throwing too many things out there at people they're going to get overwhelmed and then you're looking at progress stopping altogether. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think we have to work one thing at a time and we by far do not have animal cruelty um, at a point that I'm comfortable stopping progression on it. Well, and, and that's, yeah, I completely agree. And I, I'm not trying to stop progression in one area and focus it on, an, on another area. Uh, I just want to see us maybe continuing to build and uh, and so continuing to build and, and applying resources where they uh, where they I, I guess where, where they, they may be where like, they need to be yeah and so like there's a there's a website and I, I don't I've been walking a sensitive line with a lot of things today on the show and so uh, <laughs> I don't want to throw shade at said website website but it, it's regarding dog bites right um, but it's biased. Uh, it comes across very biased about bully breeds. And oh, Jesus. yeah, and so that's in my in my opinion, not necessarily the the right way to go about it. Because mm. sure, sure. Like can a bully breed type dog dog cause damage? We all know it can. But so can a chow chow and a great Pyrenees and a German Dachshund. Shepherd dog in, in a, your situation. Dachshund was the first one. <laughs> a dachshund for you, like. So, but point being is, uh, I guess uh, we okay. That's fine. Like this website can operate the way that it wants to, right? But at the same time, like we also need some back study on what's happened. Not just because the animal is a bully breed, but what's happening in that environment. What's creating yep. uh, an environment? What's allowing? you know, things that happen. Are we unsupervising our children around larger dogs? Like, you know, young kids, four years old, that just pull on the tail of a dog, provoking bites. Like not Get every- in their face, yeah. eye to eye. I don't care if it's a lab, like it's not going to tolerate that. Right. Well, and to be fair on that point, you know, and maybe this is a little off topic, but one of my pet peeves is everybody saying, well, a service dog will never bite. A service dog will never bite. I'm sorry. Every 
dog has its point. 100%. Like, don't tell me a service dog won't bite because if you push that dog hard enough, it will bite. Otherwise, it's a fucking robot. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) And and, And so, but I agree. Like, the majority, and I mean, I'm talking stereotypically here in my area, but many people that own the bully breeds up here probably aren't in the best standings with law enforcement or uh, social services and things like that. And so, but I, I honestly don't even think a majority of my bike cases even are of those breeds. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a huge soapbox for me. I, I I would agree. We can do a a whole episode on that. (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, let's, let's wrap this up there. You know, we could honestly talk for, for days. Um, it's fun to have guests. I know our listeners enjoy that. And again, we apologize that that didn't happen today, uh, but we will look into rescheduling that guest and, and try to get them back on. But also at the same time, like there's so much in our industry that we can talk about and how we, mm. um, you know, how we can improve together and, and look at, just look at different things. Like that's the reality is I'm not yeah. sitting here trying to say my way or my viewpoint is the right way, but just give perspective, right? Here's some different things to look at. Well, and, and use this list, go to that website, go, my mouse is stupid, the ALDF.org and check out their um, report and see what looks good to you. Like, oh shit, our state doesn't have this, but this is something I come across frequently and I need and take it to your legislators, take it, you know, like I said, HSUS, people like that, that can actually go ahead and get those into law for you to use. But this is a great resource to say, okay, my state doesn't have this, but I need it. Mm-hmm. You know, so 100%. take a look at that. 100%. Well, yeah, please do that. If you have feedback on this episode, if you want to send us an email, you can do it anonymously, or you can send it directly, go to humaneroundup.com. Check us out again on Facebook and Instagram. That's humane, the Humane Roundup. We also have the Humane Roundup group on Facebook. It's a private group for our listeners to interact with each other. And then check out H.O. Bishop on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm there as well as Animal Protection Officer Daniel. And as always, thanks again for listening to episode 78. And we'd like to say here on the Humane Roundup podcast, keep it Humane, Humane. Maine. <laughs> Got it. <laughs>